I think just a casual flow into this, talking about life hacks and snake room hacks. We're going to go over a bunch of different things that can change your efficiency, effectiveness in your snake room. Now, for those of you that only have one, two, or three snakes, might a lot of this information might not be super relevant, but there's probably some gold points that I think that you can take from this as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like any way that we can find a product to enhance our efficiency and effectiveness of keeping our snakes happy and healthy, I feel like we need to discuss. So um, Nathan, what are your thoughts on, on the episode we're about to provide? I mean, it's just kind of a look into how we've adapted to situations over the years, what we use every day. And I mean, I think it's helpful for everyone yeah. beginning to, you know, a few years into keeping these animals. So yeah. it'll be fun to dive into. Yeah. And I, we'll I feel like inside. like most episodes, it's, you know, going to be a shit show or success, but we'll, we'll figure it out along the way. Um, so for you guys tuning in, episode 31 appreciate all of you guys so far i'm gonna do my typical plug um as a matter of fact i'm gonna throw a wrench in here last episode we talked about us arc and legislation um right after we recorded like two days later uh texas had a bill come into play and there is rumors about a federal bill that they're trying to get in motion in regards to restricting our access or ability to keep exotic species. Um, again, stay plugged into us arc, support them, be a member. If you go to shows and they have the auctions at NARBCs go, it's a blast. Spend more money than you want to on those donations because they go to a good cause and you get some cool stuff. Actually the scotch I'm drinking tonight is from a U.S. Arc auction. Uh, so, I was going to say, did you buy that that Adeline uh, Robinson whiskey bottle? That would have been really cool. Yeah, I, I was. I would have been bit- mad at you though if you were drinking out of it. <laughs> no, I was. I was bidding on it, but it didn't work. Um, so yeah, um, I can't express the importance of the only organization that is actively trying to help us protect our rights to keep these animals. Shout out to Nathan for the shirt. Um, with that being said, Nathan, you do the other side and just remind people where to listen, all that good stuff. Yeah. So catch us on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, so you listen there, you'll find us. And make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel, to our Instagram as well. We have a Discord channel through our Patreon. You get early access there, a little bit of behind the scenes, and just some extras that Lucas and I throw at you. So join one of the coolest reptile discords. Definitely one of the coolest retic discords in the game. And uh, yeah, Lucas, take us away. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into some of the... Um, things that we're going to talk about. So, um, a lot of these are tools that I think can change your entire aspect of keeping multiple animals in regards to some of these things are like essentials when keeping retakes or snakes in general, other of these things, we're going to give you advice to keep 
because it's going to enhance, like I said before, your efficiency and effectiveness on taking care of your animals. So let's talk about, I think, the number one most obvious tool that any retake keeper should have. And, and this is kind of debatable for some people, but for me, not really, but a hook or some type of tool to break the feeding response of a retake. Absolutely. Uh, especially if you keep multiple retakes, you know that a hook is not an option. It's just a must-have, right. especially when they get bigger. You know, just the safety precaution more than anything. Yeah, I mean, with like... If, if not a hook, something to just put in between yourself. So paper towels work great there too. Right. Some form of extension of your arm for safety purposes. Now, Without I will... Without a heat sink. Yeah. Right. Without a heat signature. I will say that like I have a bunch of hatchlings in my snake garage right now. And lately I have been going in and opening those, those uh, opening the tubs and I kind of wait for them to think and I'll pick them up and grab them. I've noticed when I put my hand quickly on top of them, they don't even have time to think or react to bite. And so it shuts off that response. And I'm trying to do that to also help the customers that are buying the animals to not like, you know, have a snake that is always going to reach out and lunge. But at the end of the day, when you get into bigger retics, um, I believe in safety. There's a lot of keepers out there that uh, even myself, like retics are intelligent enough to be able to distinguish, but I don't like being bit. I'm a big bitch. Like I'll flat out say it. I'll use a hook and I use a hook for my safety and for the snake safety because I don't know. I, I just feel like if there's a situation in which I bite and get wrapped, I mean, I don't want the snake to go through that. That's, you know, stressful for the both, both of us. So yeah, not something I want to engage in. So a hook, paper towel roll, even a coat hanger. I've mentioned it before, like when I was a kid and I kept ball pythons and things, I would even go in with like a, a coat hanger and just tap them real quick and pick them up. Yeah, I mean, you're heightening the experience of that snake's day-to-day -day life just by opening the enclosure. So offering something without a heat signature, allowing the animal to just think for a little bit is the safest bet when dealing with larger constrictors, especially right. retakes. One last thing about hooks, and this isn't a sponsorship plug or anything like that, but I have gone through a bunch of different hooks from different manufacturers. If you Ooh, guys have not you better heard... Say. If you guys have, you're going to say Venom Life. No, I'm, I, I love, I love them, but no, I'm hoping you say something else. A.E. Stoney? Yes. Yes, dude. A.E. Stoney. Best hooks in the game. Yeah. A.E. Stoney.com. It's a small business from a dude that has been making hooks for 20, 30 years. He has a line of polycarbonate hooks, which means that these polycarbonate plastics, they, are super durable. They last a long time. And what's cool is they're not metal. And so they're not cold for the snake. I don't know if you guys have metal hooks. If you do, next time you touch a retake, if you notice it flinching, it's probably because the, the, the metal's cold compared to the snake's body temperature. That doesn't happen with these polycarbonate hooks. I love them. They've been amazing. I've had them for about a year now, and I don't think I'll ever buy a hook from anywhere else. One thing I love about them too, uh, with that material is they're able to give a really nice tapered like a long tapered edge that is like rounded right and you can't really get that in a metal hook right and so 
if you're dealing with an animal that's like really thrashing around, it's just like it's like the safest option in my in my mind. Yeah, I agree. Um, they have hooks for as big as you need to as small as you need. Um, and as a matter of fact, like just to get they a have feeding tongs. response, they have a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. When, when like for a lot of my retakes, I actually use my smallest hook. Um, just to turn off that feeding response because it's light, it's long, I can tap it and I can kind of push his head away and then grab it. And so like, you don't always need a massive hook for a massive snake. If the snake's not like a defensive animal, um, you know, if that snake, if you have a 14 foot retake and it's in full feeding response, I would probably suggest not using a tiny little hook, but you know, you don't always need a massive hook for the animal because the idea with a hook it's to turn that feeding response off and get a grip on the animal. And then you use your hand to safely pick it up and take it out. So um, yeah, a lot of the times, even with hatchlings, when I had those, I was just using a pen, just something, right. you know, just something small for right. the, the just like boot the snoot real quick. Yeah. And something without any weight behind it. So I'm not accidentally like smacking the nose or anything like that. You know, it's a small animal. Exactly. Got to think, got to think perspective a little bit. Exactly. Um, all right. Next thing that I think is super essential, and I think it's often overlooked by new keepers is an infrared temp gun. So Nathan, I'm going to let you talk about infrared temp guns and why they're important Go for it. I do everything with my temp guns. I mean, I trust my thermostats because they're reliable, but I'm always backing it up with my temp guns. I'm checking uh, the temperatures of my snakes throughout the year with the temp gun, especially during breeding season and the females, when they get close to laying, they start, their bodies actually start raising up in temperature so i'm looking for that with my temp gun um let's see if i ever have to soak an animal i'm using my temp gun so i'm using this thing all the time yeah so a reason why i think temp guns are overlooked is because back in the day and if you go to a pet shop or you go to a general you know exotic store a lot of species and a lot of people, they always are talking about measuring temperature in regards to ambient temperatures. I didn't even say my ambient, my cool side. Right. So, so let me, I like a temp gun is so important to know what the surface temperature is of your hotspot. If you keep in a gradient manner, like if a lot of times I'll see new keepers and say, you know, my retakes pushing blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the hot spot is reading 84 degrees and the cool spot is reading 79 degrees. And then, you know, I'll often ask, like, how are you getting those temperatures? And they'll say, oh, with a hygrometer or, or a thermometer, but that's measuring the air. If, if your air temperature in that enclosure is 84 degrees on the hot side, more than likely that hot spot is much hotter. Um, so surface temperature is so important because if you're using gradient temperature, we've talked about this before on heating, it was like our fourth or third episode of the retake lounge. Um, you have to know what the surface temperature that your heat source is, is measuring. Think of a hot summer day. Think of the, the asphalt after the sun's been baking down on it. Yeah. It might've only been 80, 90 degrees outside, but that asphalt's getting up 
30, 40 degrees hotter. Yeah, even here in Texas, I've I've done it myself with my. Oh, I mean, it's not that drastic, but you know what I'm saying. No, I mean in Texas here, like I have taken my temp gun outside, 95 degree day in the middle of summer at 3 p.m. And when I measure the sidewalk outside of my house with no shade, it's 125 degrees. Mm -hmm. So huge difference in regards to ambient and surface temperature. So get an infrared temp gun Um, on Amazon. You can get a pretty reliable one for 25 bucks. Not bad. You know, you don't have to get the Milwaukee hundred dollar temp gun. You really don't. Because But you will look really cool in your Instagram posts when you do. <laughs> right. You'll you'll look like a baller. Um so uh Nathan, let's talk about the next form of measurement. Um you know, a reliable good source of ambient thermometer and hygrometers and why that's important, even though we just talked about temp guns, but why is ambient temperature is important to measure it's just data so backing up backing up your keeping just with a little bit of data making sure that you're keeping within the parameters that you set with your animals Um, you can notice bumps in humidity like if any of your animals get sick you can measure to a precise humidity to make sure that their treatments are maintained properly so right it's just backup for your for your animals and like yeah an extra piece of data you can have for if you ever need it i'm gonna throw in a sponsorship plug if you are looking for great ambient temperature and uh humidity readers folk or i almost said focus (laughs) um, viv tech products um has a phenomenal gateway setup that connects to your wi-fi with these sensors that you can monitor anywhere in the world um, that are extremely accurate. And they you can even put these sensors inside of your egg box and they will do phenomenal. Um, Think sensor push, but for us reptile keepers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I keep sensor push and I've also, you know, I, I you know, VivTech products has a great product out there. Um, I'm going to be doing side-by-side comparisons with my sensor push that are super duper expensive, by the way, to these VivTech product, uh, you know, sensors. I'm excited to do that and give some feedback. I'm sure I won't be disappointed, but, um, one more thing about, um, like the importance of measuring the ambient temperature and humidity. Um, so if you're only keeping humidity, you need a very accurate or damn it. I'm messing up so much. If you're only keeping your snakes on ambient and you're not doing a gradient heat, like I do, it's important that you have uh, an idea of how hot or cold the room is. Um, too hot, not good. Too cold, also not good. Um, and so on top of that, I think it's also important to realize that when we are keeping it on a gradient measure, we still want to make sure that the ambient temperatures are within a reasonable, you know, set point. If your if your ambient temperatures are like 78 on the hot side, even though your hot spot is measuring 86, that snake is still probably pretty cool and it could probably use more heat. So I always like to be very thorough and use two sources of measuring heat, the temp gun for the hot spot and your sensors for the ambient temperature. Um, Before we go to the next segment of this, 
I want to go ahead and just give an opportunity for you guys to listen about the sponsorships that are supporting the Retic Lounge. So we'll be back after these messages. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, Steward Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cute Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animals' comfort and well-being. Visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for your animals' caging needs. Again, visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code retic lounge 23 today for 15 percent off all right so we have feeding tongs coming up next how i i feel like this is maybe maybe important to hit on right now in light of some recent videos and some discussion in the retic community how important are feeding tongs to you and why do you think they're do you think they're a necessity Number one, and why? Uh, wait, so we're not supposed to hand feed our animals? I mean, <laughs> I I would be lying if I said I wasn't guilty of doing it, but I do it with small, I I, small animals, like I, hatchlings within the first year because it's 
I, I can't Bermuda even feed a hatchling. On the top of my head, I don't think I can remember a time where I've hand fed one of my retics. So to your question oh. on why they are a necessity, because I do absolutely think they're a necessity. We talked about using a hook or a paper towel roll as an extension of your hand for a safety measure. It's no different with feeding. Um, you got to understand that our body temperature, if you take your infrared temp gun that we suggested earlier and you measure the temperature of your hand, it's about 95 degrees. And then if you go ahead and measure the temperature of the rodent that you just thought out, it's typically like 105 degrees, 110 degrees. You can get it really hot, right? But at the end of the day, it's not that big of a difference for what your hand is. Also, snakes are sometimes stupid. Sometimes they That's miss. That's why I said I do it with hatchlings. I'm, right. I'm willing to get bit by a hatchling, but right. not by the big retic. No. So <laughs> feeding tongs is a safety extension. And so when I'm talking about feeding tongs, you have forceps, which are like little scissors that have the little sockets. I'm doing shapes again. Here I go. Um, you put your thumb in and, you know, they're like scissors that you hold and you do that. And then you have... Um, I don't know what they're called. The pinchers, the tongs, tongs. That's what they're called. Tongs. Yeah. So you can use tongs that don't have the hole, right? Gosh, what is my cat doing up there? Anyways. Um, or, you know, when you get to the bigger retics, you can go to full blown. Um, Nathan, help me here. What are they called? Forceps? No, I don't know. Uh, Large tongs, I guess. Yeah. I, I call them feeding tongs still I right mean, they're, they're there's just... large metal you know they go up to 24 to 36 uh, you, inches you could call them like snake tongs yeah you could technically uh pin a venomous snake with one of these tongs that i have from au stony that i feed with i don't ever Do you like them i actually i actually don't have their feeding tongs uh yeah i love them cool they i think they were perfect i think they were built as snake tongs but they right. were better for me as feeding tongs right. i'm not gonna ever put that on my snake so hear me out there are times that i feed my large retics um in the the 9 to 14 foot range without feeding tongs but let me tell you how i do it um when i can't get them to be on one side so i can open up the enclosure safely I will open up that sliding glass door and I will throw that rabbit in there. I freaking just toss it in there. I'm not, I'm not like, yeah. here you go. Right. So tongs are essential and they just make things easy. Like if you have a bucket of thawing rodents and you have tongs in your hand, you just lift, pick up, give it, lift, pick up, give it. That's for you, ball python keepers well, and for you. Once you get past two, three pounds on the end of a long feeding tongue. Oh, it's a pain. It starts it starts getting really heavy, so make sure <laughs> make sure you're ready to make, lift something like that. Yeah, make make sure you're you're doing your your forearm curls and you're you're getting your workout <laughs> in. Um but yeah, no. I, you can so reach out to Lucas for all his forearm exercises. Right, I got you. I played baseball. Um so hear me out. Um so the longer you go you so like if you if you know how <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you know how gravity works and you've read a little bit about Isaac Newton, you would know that the longer the tongue is, 
the the more heavy that item that you're holding is. So like even for some of my bigger animals, I use these smaller tongs because I have more manipulation and control can hold them better. Um, so sometimes length isn't always the best feature for safety because if you're feeding a snake on a higher up enclosure with really long tongs with a heavy item, you got to use like both hands to get that thing up there. And if you have both hands on that tongue and that snake strikes past the tongue, you got nothing else helping you. <laughs> like Look besides your form. How are you not drafted in the the MLB? Like, Oh man, don't talk to me about my baseball days. I'm, I'm, I'm a washed up retired college ball player. Um, but anyways, for all of dogs, you that, that just listen in, you need to, you need to go to the video to see, uh, Lucas's, uh, baseball stance. It was pretty spectacular, Lucas. Thank you. Wait, what, what, what? Oh, are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. For those of you listening yeah, to Spotify. Sitting there like this for like right. 30 seconds. So I'm just missing a fat dip in and we're good to go. Um, <laughs> okay. Feeding tongs. We just cover that. That's a pretty like. I don't know. If you keep retakes and you don't have them, you've been living under a rock. Yeah, keep yourself safe. Give yourself a little bit of distance when you're uh, feeding larger snakes. It's just kind of a given, you would yeah. think. Yeah. Um, all right. Take us into the next one. So uh, any kind of storage container or some kind of receptacle that is large enough for your animals to either just stay in while you're cleaning to soak in what did i say you, we're talking about like literally just storage or holding containers and you you threw out the word receptacle <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about as expert as it gets folks yeah get yourself a container yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure it's big enough for your animal and that you can soak it in there. Um, that's about all I have for that. Wait, I mean, I use. I want to throw out some suggestions. Okay. Yeah. I like to use a WRX bins that you can find at Home Depot or, Do- Home Depot or Doe's. Home Depot or Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a shit show. See, this is what I said at the it beginning is. of the episode. Um, so if you get, uh, the WRX bins have the yellow lids or they have another brand that has the red lids, but I like them because they're durable. They don't crack when you're drilling holes through them. Um, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Actually, I lied. They just come in rectangle, but they come in all sizes. So with that being said, I like to use those, but I do have like a, I'm really, you guys, I'll give a caveat to that. Okay. But before that, I want you guys to drop in the comments if I should drop the money on this. But there are like those wolf, like on wheels, massive, like super dense plastic containers. I don't know if you guys have watched Wildfire Retakes and his, but he keeps, he soaks in those, those type of containers, but they're like a hundred bucks a pop. You guys drop down below. Let me know what you think. Should I buy one, two, three, four, um, or not at all? What do you? Uh, use? I've seen them in person, so yeah, you should buy them. I just think they're really expensive. Yeah, they're expensive, uh, use... but they're heavy duty, and, and like you could literally drop. I, I don't know. Like I feel like they're bulletproof. Yeah, um, I use a mix of the Sterilite uh, Christmas tree tubs, 
some of their smaller containers for the smaller animals. I also use just some of my old uh, racks as just quick tub systems. I don't have them on heat or anything, but you know, they're available. So I'll just slide them in and out. It's easier than pulling out a tub. Uh, Let's see. And then, yeah, I have those WRX containers or if that's what they're called, this is the first time I've, heard the the brand name but uh whatever you buy from costco okay uh and yeah uh those black and yellow containers i love them because they're super super secure but they're uh they're not transparent they're opaque so you can't see through them they're not even opaque they're just black so yeah they're black you can't see through them and with a retic just for me, I I like to know where the head is when I'm opening the lid, Ooh. and with those lids, you you have to like kind uh, of unlatch them a little bit. Yeah, I'll I'll drop like so I'll talk about what I do to just kind of like make sure I'm safe, and it and it works really well. Um, so I have a method with those as well. I like half unlatch it, and then like I'll grab from the top, so, so not my even, hands so- not actually under the lid. So, like, the reason why I like the black is, like, so I have an animal in particular I'm thinking of, my Slayer. Um, mm-hmm. When I put her in these, like, dark black totes and I, I cover that lid, when I open that tub up, she never wants to come out. She loves it in there. She loves that security. She loves that darkness. Um, yep. And so how I manage it is I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'm getting a little further from the mic, but I will grab both sides of the tub or, or I guess the, the lid and I pull back towards me and take a few steps back. And when I do that, there's no way they're going to come at me because I mean, they can, but like I have the, I have the lid in front of me that's protecting me. But I've I've never had a snake. I don't think. I mean, probably. I, I don't want to say never, but I I often don't have animals that will lunge out when I open that up. And so what I do is I'll open it up and I'll literally walk like three feet away, set it down, and I'll use my hook, look over, and I'm like, oh hey. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, pretty similar routine. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we talked about storage bins. So real quick, let me just highlight. We've talked about having a hook, having a temp gun, reliable ambient and thermometer hygrometers, feeding togs, and now storage bins. If you have all of that in your collection right now, you're doing phenomenal. You're 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 measuring temperature well. You're keeping yourself and your animals safe. You have storage bins when you're cleaning and able to soak them in. And so now this next thing I think is like was a game changer for me when I got my garage and I had more space. Um, and as far as I know, you have one of these and you don't even have as big as a space as I do. But it was like this was like a hack when I did this. But this is like a cleaning cart, right? So this is a yeah, cart that's on so wheels. My my uh snake room is a small bedroom it is a 12 i believe it's a 12 foot by 10 foot bedroom Mm -hmm. uh, converted into a snake room even though i can almost touch the walls (laughs) i still have a a cleaning cart and it is the most useful thing i have yeah possibly in my snake room 
you it has know- a paper a, a paper cutter on the top of it so i can move it over to the snake racks if i want or the snake cages if i want to cut paper has my trash bin all my cleaning products gloves you name it it's it's on that same oh that wasn't even on our list that i think we should just i'm gonna highlight again gloves right um you know really useful when you're picking up those like five pound shits that you have to pick up um don't cheap out on gloves don't get vinyl gloves either like no i i get, get the, the nitrile uh, gloves yeah. that's that's what's gonna be best for your skin like yeah just but save yourself let me talk about how like the the cleaning cart changed my life um I have spray bottles that I put all of my cleaning products that we're going to also dive into now that we're talking about a cleaning cart. Um, But I'm able to put them on the lip. And so I'll have a cleaning cart with like five different bottles of different cleaning agents that I use. Um, I have my gloves on there. Um, I have scissors. I have, uh, you know, if, if I, for whatever reason, I even have like surgical knives on there. I have, um, you know, I have iodine swab Q-tips if I need to like clean gums from mm-hmm. a pushing retic. I have, uh, I have a bucket on the bottom that has a shovel that I shovel shit and aspen out of. Um, I also keep my. Oh yeah, because you're on aspen, that makes sense. Like, a, is it like a, a kitty litter kind of thing? No, so it doesn't have a. It doesn't have like holes for it to follow through. But what I do is. Yeah. Um, it's a metal shovel that I just scoop up the wet parts and also the parts that I have poop mm-hmm. that I could just shovel in the trash. Um, and on that bottom shelf, I even have my drill bit. Like I'll, I'll have like tools that I might need for any repairs that, you know, for light fixtures, for, you know, anything that Ooh. you might need. You asked about odd tools before we started this episode that I may have in the snake room. And, and that's a big one is it's not a drill bit, but drill brushes. Yeah, I mean, is it connected to a drill? And... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when yeah, I yeah. when I clean enclo- deep clean enclosures, that's what I head to. Yeah, go on Amazon. You can get oh, a kit I mean... of like five different brushes for like fifteen bucks. Yep. Yeah. Um. So a cleaning cart. If you guys don't have one, or if you're like, uh, my space isn't big enough. Like, I would really advise that you reconsider it because. It is a game changer to just wheel this thing around to each cage and be able to have everything that you need right then and there without having to make trips back and forth, back and forth. So to where talking, you put things. yeah, talking cleaning. What's your what's your go to cage cleaner? Just general surface cleaner that you're using in the snake room. Okay, can I give you an idea? Like I'll do. You I've want gone to like, through a bunch. Yeah, I don't so, think there's like a wrong answer here no i mean as long as I, you're not spraying straight bleach into your snakes enclosures then oh shit then i'll putting shut them back you know <laughs> um so I mean, don't get me wrong no i i so in my garage right now i have f10 yeah i have brown listerine mm-hmm. and i have diluted bleach water and then i have a spray bottle with water and soap um I have also tried chlorhexidine. Spray bottle with water and soap, but I use water and soap all the time. Yeah, you're making yeah, spra- me I, I like I like to mix it in and just spray it all over. So, um, yeah, brown listerine I've been using since day one, and I love it. Number one, I love brown listerine because it gets rid of smell really well. 
Um, and on top of that, it's not a very toxic um, cleaner. It, it's got, you know, 99% alcohol, cleans most of the bacteria and germs in your enclosure, and is very effective. And I thoroughly enjoy the um, the smell of it. Now, where I use brown Listerine the most is now that I've switched over to Aspen, if let's say I only clean a spot of Aspen in the enclosure, I don't want to spray a chemical like F10 or chlorhexidine or bleach when there's still Aspen mm-hmm. in the rest of the enclosure. I feel yeah. completely fine and safe spraying brown Listerine right into the enclosure, wiping it up, letting it just air dry for literally like a minute and then adding definitely more. with stuff like bleach right with simple green any kind of like general surface cleaner f10 i kind of disagree with just because it's a, a veterinary cleaner and i know it's safe for pets so it's, it's... I, I mean even if it did get like let's say you move some aspen aside and let's say a little bit got on i don't think your your snake would necessarily be in danger but yeah of course you don't want that to be in your enclosure yeah and i mean i i if you're using f10 responsibly and according to the manufacturer labels it's yeah always always follow their their ratios and everything but i mean that's that's my go-to cleaner yeah i love f10 i i I mean this bottle alone has lasted me a couple years now and it's only you know, now half empty. Yeah. So one thing that I found out about F10 that I saw through a research article on that I was looking through um, is that F10 is actually the most efficient when you are able to get all debris moved out of like the space that you're cleaning. So for example, if you go into your closure, you remove the paper or the bedding and Mm -hmm. you aren't, you aren't thoroughly cleaning for feces. F10 is not going to clean the bacteria and disinfect any remnants of feces or urine. So what I like to do with my F10 um, is number one, make sure that the enclosure is very clean. But number two, like I, I, I'll generally try to clean with something else. And then what I like to do with F10 to make sure it's fully disinfected, I'll spray it all over the enclosure, which, by mm-hmm. the way, when I say spray it, look at the directions on the container for how much you should do with your ratio from F10 to water or chlorhexidine to water. But once because my... it matters if you're just doing general cleaning, you just want the lowest, you know, right. one to 500 ratio that they have for uh, F10. And then, which is like one if or you two want drops. Like a, it's yeah i think it's like a liter or something like that yeah, one liter uh, one to two drops for per spray bottle is what i do um sorry you yeah always refer to the manufacturer's yeah. labels but uh, i believe it's like one to 250 uh if you want to do deeper cleaning with f10 yeah. so like really like Deep getting cleaning. in there, killing viruses, killing anything that could be living at a microscopic level. Right. The, the important part is that you use something to clean the feces and pee out. 
And what I really like to do is I spray F10 on the enclosure after it's clean and I'd let mm-hmm. it sit and dry out. I don't wipe down. Once it's oh, they, dr- they, they recommend that you uh, spray with water and then rinse after or okay. wipe after. Okay, good to know. Um, so I, uh, that's that's just a, another thing. Like always read the labels of any chemical that you're going to be using with your animals. Doesn't matter if it's a reptile, your cats, your dogs, doesn't matter if you're using a chemical in their care, read, take the five minutes, read the label on the back and just see how it's supposed to be used because small things like that can go a long way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, F10 is something that I use very often, Listerine, and then I also use uh, diluted bleach water. A lot of people are going to ask me what ratio. Comment below if if you're like me and haven't heard of brown Listerine being used as a cleaner before. It's it's great. I love. You mentioned Listerine before before we started this show, and I I was not expecting the use. I mean. One of the dirtiest places in the world is the human mouth. Do you dilute it or is it just straight Listerine? So I used to when I first started, but because it's not very toxic, I I don't dilute it anymore. I just pour the bottle straight into a spray cup, spray it all over, wipe it down, let it dry. Okay. And it's it's phenomenal. And it's super cheap. It's $2 a bottle. I want to hear from you. I can't be the only one. Um, but I, I, I've also used, uh, so I also use, uh, diluted bleach water. Now I use this for not, I don't use it very often with cleaning enclosures, but like when I'm using a bucket to thaw out food in once Mm -hmm. I, I finish thawing out that food and I rinse the water out that was, that the food was thawing out in like rats, pigs, whatever. I spray it with diluted bleach water. I rinse it out. I make sure that I'm cleaning as much as I can. Um, I use diluted bleach water to clean my sink surfaces. Um, and on occasion, when like I am doing a, um, I'm weird. So when I'm when I'm putting a snake in an enclosure and I'm upgrading it to an enclosure that I had another snake in. Yep, every time. I, Every time, right? Like I'll I'll do everything. I literally will use Listerine first, and then I'll use F10. I'll then do bleach, and then I let it sit for. I a feel day. like that crackhead peeping out his window for the, <laughs> for the police. Like I'm like right. I'm gonna kill everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like if, there's nothing coming between me and this new snake. Right. Not even my snakes. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm, no, I get it. I'm totally vigilant when it comes to swapping animals between enclosures. It has to be diluted bleach water just to make sure that like, there's no, no contact, right? like transmissible stuff. And guys, I wish, maybe Nathan knows the answer to this. I wish I could give you a ratio per liter for how much bleach to water. I go based off of smell. If I smell too much bleach, (laughs) I add more water. Um, if I don't smell, yeah, I don't want to smell too much bleach at yeah, all at all. Right. Like just powerful. Yeah. I, I don't do that. So typically when I do a liter bottle, um, again, about... there's, there's instructions on the, the, on any of your household bleach bottles. 
I mean, yeah, but are the instructions really recommending on how to use it for helping snakes or animals? It's di- like, no, it's diluting it per gallon for like household cleaning. Right. And even then, I go light on the their dilution uh, right. standards. So yeah, yeah, it, it is more of a smell thing, but for, for me, safety. it's. If I had to give you my ratio, it's a full liter spray bottle with half a second pour. And, and you want you want to make sure that you're airing out any of these enclosures you use bleach on until you cannot smell bleach on them anymore. Right. If Those you walk into your room, dangerous. yeah. If you walk into your room and you still smell the bleach, don't put your snake in. Yep. Um. Okay. So we talked about soap water. I like soap water solution. I, I have a spray bottle with water that I put Dawn dish soap, just the blue OG, you know, the, the mm-hmm. nice commercials that you see them cleaning the oil off of the ducts from the BP oil spill. Right. Um, That's what I, I clean I, all my water bowls with. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, I like to use that when, that that's like my base cleaner. If I'm doing a big overhaul cleaning that I need to scrub and get all oils and, and different stuff out. I don't use that really too much though, besides with water bowls that I have a, a, a sponge that has a, like a metallic adhesive, like it's a metallic material um, and, and scrape out everything in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you still use copper with any of your water? I know I, this isn't something we discussed, but I mean, it, it's something that we mentioned that we tried like several years ago before the retake lounge. Um, I don't anymore. I think we may have even mentioned it a little bit in the retake lounge. Yeah, I I don't anymore, and maybe it's because I have help now in my my snake garage, and I'm able I'm able to do waters every two days. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of always been a standard of ours is changing waters pretty frequently yeah um i found it to be like even though it has antimicrobial properties i found it just kind of a pain especially when those retics go to the bathroom you know yeah like rather be able to just dump and then scrub down right like i don't want to be able to put like if i have copper in a water bowl and then they shit in the water bowl i'm not going to reuse that copper so then i have to go back to this thick ass wire Grab the, the mm-hmm. <laughs> grab the wire cutters, freaking force that thing down, put it back. I, I don't know. I, I I like the idea of it. I understand the properties, but at the same time, like with how cheap things are made nowadays, I don't always trust that I'm getting a hundred percent copper. Well, unless you're going to the hardware store and just buying raw copper in wire. Yeah, even, even then. Even then, okay. I'm a little. Even then, I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, I, I'm, and... I'm not that savvy, I guess. People um, are always people are always trying to cut corners, <laughs> I guess, as manufacturers and, and people that produce things. So, um, I just figure I can use copper, get a little bit of the sliminess out over a three four day period, or I could just do what I should do as a keeper and just replace my snake's water every two three days. Even when I had it, I was still doing every right. two to three days. Right. Um. So that kind of brings me on to, I mean, we're cleaning water bowls. We've kind of talked about some of our general cleaning products, extra water dishes. Okay. So now we're back to like essentials and hacks that are useful. Yeah. Why? Like why... just other stuff that we keep in the reptile. I mean, what else do you keep on your reptile cart? 
in, in if there's something I'm missing be, um, besides like the other snake I mean, room basics. Really, my my cart is like organized but disorganized but has I mean I have I have like I said scissors on there I have I mean I can go there. over some of the really random just like what looks like junk on there but is useful in the snake room I guess a paper towel roll you'll typically find on top of my cleaning car yeah so you'll have I, I guess if you want to hear mine you'll have your your trash bin you have your gloves I have a, a water bowl but it's it's not a dish i use in my enclosures it's holding all of my extra little tools like my scissors that i use for egg cutting or whatever i need in the snake room uh yeah. cut out, cutting open uh rabbit packages when i get them in the box cutters are a oh. lifesaver as well yeah box cutters are huge um especially when you're getting uh Rodent orders, any kind of pliers are going to be really helpful when you're pulling right. out those staples out of the cold-blooded cafe boxes. Uh, let's see. I have little rubber bands for my incubator. Uh, I don't have any locks. So, <laughs> Like I said, it looks like junk on, on the top of my uh, rubber on bands. my cart, but it's not. So... And you're gonna laugh at you're where gonna, they come you're gonna, from. You're so, gonna you're gonna need to make a Patreon video to show what the hell you use rubber bands <laughs> on your incubator for. So not on my incubator, on the the uh, egg boxes themselves. Once those eggs start pipping, so I don't have any like uh, locks on the boxes themselves. The lid is pretty free um, from the box itself. So I just, you know, it's a extra safe safety precaution. Once those snakes start coming out of the eggs, I just have rubber bands that go around the lid in the egg box, so they can't push their way out. Interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Yeah, um, I mean, I could have just not taken off the the lid locks, but they don't fit the same way. In the yeah, no, I I, so. I get that you. You got the good old school igloo container for an incubator. I couldn't find one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about cleaning cards, cleaning products. Um, Nathan mentioned extra water dishes. I like extra water dishes too. If you're ever in a pinch of time, um, scraping use... tool is big on there on, Ooh, on yeah. your cleaning cart, I'm sure. Dude, red line. Something to has scrape a... the urates off. Yeah, Redline has a phenomenal tool that looks like a it's basically a plastic version of a um blade. Mm -hmm. Um and I picked it up at the Arlington NARBC. Like I bought I got some boxes that I needed from them and they had stuff just out in front and I was like, "Hey, how much is that scraping tool?" They're like, "No, everything out in front's free." And I was like, "Wait, what?" So, picked up a scraping tool, picked up some stickers and just use that scraping tool tonight and last night. And I took off urate stains on my enclosures that I've had there for probably four or five months with like literally just like 10 seconds of going back and forth. It Everyone who keeps retakes knows what we're talking about with the urate stains. So yeah, it's a pain, yeah. man. And it sucks. Dude, even, gonna... even with, uh, even with my, uh, drill brushes, it doesn't get at it the right way. You have to like really kind of scrape away at it and, 
those little scrapers. I, I what I use as a scraper now, I, uh, <laughs> I started using an old metal spoon uh, as a scraping tool back in the day when I first started keeping retics because I needed I needed something to scrape it off and I was too that's not, you know it was just one of those things just too lazy to run to the store that's great uh, grandma's old trick right there <laughs> right I, I won't tell you who I got that trick from because oh man it, it was suggested to me I bet but, it was Richard uh, I'm sorry <laughs> I bet it was bleep um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but my favorite scraper that i use now is actually the scraper that i got from my ice chest it's just a little plastic scraper i got from my my freezer that i have all my rodents in just to scrape away the frost but oh congrats i forgot great. you got a you got a you got a chest that's great well, oh you kind of need we, to we when should, you're feeding that, that, adults that's... That's something that we don't have on here. Like, don't stop being that Well, that's guy. not in my snake room. Right. So, well, it's not, but it's part of keeping snakes because, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But within my marriage and relationship, the worst parts that I've ever been a part of were when I had rats in my freezer that I also had the meat that we eat. So, like, if you can get a could, freezer. Could be a big reason why I, I am... <laughs> single, single right exactly. I, I i bought that chest after <laughs> right no ser- seriously like like <laughs> as soon as you can get your rodents and your rabbits and your pigs out of the freezer that you also have your food in the better get a it's, freezer chest it's nice. yeah it, you, i mean you can get an affordable decent five cubic foot one for 250 300 um you're talking about freezing so there's no cross contamination yeah but yeah you don't want to see a face looking back at you every time you go to grab your taquitos yeah let me (laughs) (laughs) let me um so we're talking about extra water dishes um extra hides extra heat taper mats or extra thermostat like just anything that you can have extra i understand that like not everybody is going to have an extra heat panel or an extra heat mat. But like if you're keeping snakes on heat tape in a rack, mm-hmm. you better. It costs you almost nothing. It costs you almost nothing. You better have backup heat tape. Because the moment that that heat tape fails and either overheats your animals or turns off and you don't check your heat, you, you can run into some major issues. And it, it's so easy. A roll of heat tape is so cheap. Um, I recommend check your probes. Check your heat tape constantly. Make right. sure your connections to you know whatever thermostat you're using it's so important when you're using heat tape make exactly. sure that you're using a thermostat that's reliable yeah and if you guys are going to choose heat tape i suggest thg tape um it's a little bit more advanced than the old school heat tape it's got an extra layer of lamination that's over it that protects it from being less flammable um, you can find it on Reptile Basics, a bunch of other websites, but THG heat tape is really what I recommend and not like the old school typical heat tape that you can find yeah, I'm out I'm checking my site right now to see if they have it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty readily available that, that at least that I'm aware of, but, um, so. Yep. yep that's pretty much standard. It looks like. So I, I yeah. use beanfarm.com for any of like my really like basic reptile husbandry needs and. You know, a, a roll of heat tape on there is 
super cheap even if you're getting the wide stuff like it's it's not like a heat panel where you're spending hundreds of dollars on it waiting months for it you can order this now get it shipped within the week yep so that little bit of peace of mind is going to go a long way yeah so with extra you know if you can have a backup thermostat or backup probes or uh backup relays for your thermostats um backup hides in case you drop a hide. I've dropped a hide and stepped right on it when I went to go pick it up and completely shattered it, right? So had another hide in my garage ready to go. Um, I've probably broken like 20 hides in the last year. Um, and the backups are good for peace of mind. I understand not everyone is in a position where they have that many animals that they need backups um, or in a financial position to have backups. But I just want to encourage you guys to keep the mindset. If your thermostat fails, what are you going to do? If your heat tape fails, what are you going to do? If your hide fails, what do you, you know? Sure. Say, say you have a, a retic that just pooped in its water and now it is in feeding mode and you cannot clean this retic until you've fed it and waited a day for it to digest a little bit. You want that retic to have clean water have an extra water bowl there. So when you feed it, throw in some fresh water with it too. Oh, you want to know what I do? I'm crazy. When my retics are eating and I need to do that, I feed them, they wrap, I run over to my sink, I disinfect, I clean. And for me, it's almost like this adrenaline. I'm not waiting that long. Yeah, there's this adrenaline race of like, can I beat the snake of wrapping to get this water bowl back in? I've I've had enough experiences to tell me nope I I'm I, having that water one, right next to me and ready to go Lucas what, I'll one, clean that water dish once that enclosure is nice and secure. <laughs> one female that this doesn't work with that the extra water bowl is nice with is my F1 Philippine female. For some reason, she bite constricts, wraps, mm-hmm. and lets go within twenty seconds. And what's crazy about her is she will sit on her meal for thirty minutes. So like before I had extra water bowls, I would literally have to wait there until that food was like a fourth of the way in her mouth to put the freaking water bowl back in. And that's a big waste of time when you have to babysit a snake eating. Yeah, you usually I try to get them away from the water bowl if I have to <laughs> change it. Right. Um, okay. Let's so see. Uh, one- we one thing that I think Backup is super thermostat is kind of like a, a luxury. Don't you think like have a re- really reliable thermostat. I have a thermostat that can cover power to all my cages if one goes out, but I'm pretty, you know, pretty yeah. comforted at night just with the company that I have and right. It's so, reliability over the years. So, um, Backup thermostats can be seen as a luxury, and I agree with that statement. Um, you know, if you have the extra $150 to spare to get another one, it's a good peace of mind because at the end of the I day, I think your probes and your heat tape are much more like necessary, yeah, much more likely to go out, person. right? Um, yeah. they're much more likely to fail and to, to, you know, um, but if you're able to have an extra one, 
go for it. Worst case scenario, mm-hmm. you never need it and you decide to get more snakes because you have an extra thermostat. <laughs> um, <laughs> worst, come, worst comes to worst, you're like Lucas and have very little impulse control and you know that you're going to need an extra rack to set up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or an extra enclosure to set up. <laughs> yeah. But speaking about backup thermostats, let me talk about the importance of... So I keep in ambient temperatures, right? I have a mini split that is able to cool and heat my garage. Um, if that fails, I have backups. I have oil-filled radiant heat panels. I have a portable AC unit that I can get a tube to go out the garage and to to kind of you know get the fluid out, the water, the condensation out. But like, if you only have one heat source for an animal, and it fails on you. You're kind of shit out of luck. So having a backup. So for if it's one animal on one thermostat, thermostat goes bad. Hopefully thermostats are in stock or you can just like, you know, get an ink bird on Amazon for 40 bucks and that'll do you until you can get another freedom breeder or another herb stat. But like for me, don't, that don't I, run your collection on ink birds, please. <laughs> don't, don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've used ink birds. And I love them. I haven't had an issue with any of them. It's not my first choice. Um, but I will say What's this. your go-to as far as thermostats in your reptile room if we're going to talk about them? I don't use any. Uh, oh, well. Before, past, before, Lucas, before. Stop acting like so, you're above this. So before it was, I am above this. Before it was, um, so I start off with Herbstat. All of us can afford a mini split. <laughs> Before I use a Herbstat, I love it. And then I also got a Freedom Breeder, also love it. I really don't think you can go wrong with either or. I think the user interface on the Herbstats are a little bit easier, and they have a little added security with the uh, the, the fail-safe option that they have there. If you want to spend more money, you can get their Wi-Fi option. Um, but I right now, I am running my incubator on a freedom breeder and it's doing perfect okay yeah i use exclusively herp stats here just because they're from what i've been told in in my research the safest it's the industry Uh, standard it's the industry standard freedom breeder kind of modeled their uh thermostat after that so i'd trust that quite a bit as well, Vivarium Electronics makes a pretty solid. Oh, uh, I, I did. Ha- I did have a VE two hundred, or I do have a VE two hundred. It works. I'm going to be using their heat panels, so I'd be stupid to not include right. them as well. So, um, yeah, just so like I, I, you know, if my in my ambient enclosure in my ambient garage setup, if my mini split failed, it's not like it's just one thermostat with three animals, I now have an entire garage that no longer has access to be able to heat or cool. So for me, a backup on my heating and cooling is like, there's absolutely zero negotiation. I needed to have it when, when I did my garage renovation, just like this next one, a generator. So since we're kind of talking ambient temperatures just with your little mini split and your setup right now let's were you, were let's you bring just in... conde- were you condescending on my mini split? no your no. your your little mini split i was doing 
an excellent transition into our next bit, Lucas, if you would just let me. <laughs> uh, so with all your ambient keeping, uh, even us who keep still on on external heat sources, we have to think about the ambient temperatures and conditions in our reptile rooms. So we mm -hmm. have to think about the humidity. We have to think about the heat that's in our reptile room. Um, so that brings in, uh, in my case, space heaters um, during yeah. the winter, during the that's... cooler months. Uh, I use a, an AC unit that hooks up to the window in my snake room to make sure it's the perfect temperature during the summer. And then I also will supplement uh, during the drier months with humidity. Uh, I know in certain parts of the country, you're going to want a dehumidifier. So I, I just think those are important aspects to hit in terms of our keeping. Yeah. I mean, my, my not only in your, I was just going to say, not only in your, your snakes enclosure, is it important? The, the, the conditions but it's in, important in your room because that's ultimately determining what's happening in your enclosure yeah yeah especially with good airflow and good good ventilation in your enclosure if you have that on point it should match pretty closely to what your your uh room is um but yeah i mean i same way i have oil-filled radiant heaters for my backups i have a portable ac unit if i need to cool it down um, and I do have a dehumidifier. I am in Texas, but I'm in San Antonio. Like I was telling Nathan earlier on, my snake garage after cleaning, doing waters, everything tonight, my humidity in my snake room got up to 80% um, in my garage. And so turned on the dehumidifier, dropped it back down to 65, and we're stable. And we're doing amazing. Um, I mentioned a generator earlier. And I, I really, like, man... Generators are so freaking important, but they're also so freaking expensive that I yeah, understand. I, I just bought mine and I'm I'm years and years into keeping, but I mean you can justify it for one animal. You can justify yeah. it for yourself. You can justify it for your house. Like like well, exactly. I mean, like Yeah. Depending where you live, but here in Utah when it gets really cold, you can't you can't always rely on the power being on. I've had certain times certain incidents happen and you know i've had the power be out for over 24 hours because of an earthquake out here i need to make sure Damn, that you guys I get can... earthquakes in utah yeah we i was only a few miles from the epicenter we had a big one just Holy uh shit. during covid i'm yeah. sure i told you about it but yeah it was it was wild so luckily it wasn't too cold during that time and i didn't have eggs incubating or anything where I needed power immediately, but it's just something you have to think about. Like if I lose power for an extended period of time, you know, there, there's just cer certain circumstances that are out of your control. Am I able to keep my collection or my animals safe? Yeah. I hate that we mentioned this at the very end of this episode because I feel like it's way more important Hopefully you guys are listening through this and are able to see it. But like, I, I want to just share my story on when I got my generator. Um, for those of you that are aware or unaware, in 2020, um, Texas had a really bad, you know, snowstorm. Um, we had really cold weather, and because 
Texas thinks that they're better than everyone else. We're not on the power grid with the rest of the nation. We have our own power grid. And so we had a really bad storm and a lot of snow. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It was two in the morning, power went out, and it stayed out for 24 hours. I was lucky enough to go online to look for a generator. By the way, at this point, it was in the teens. My household temperature was already dropping down into the 50s and 40s. For any of you that know Retix, you know, cold is better than hot, but an extended period of time of your snakes being that cold, not good. I had eggs incubating and wild-caught animals, captive-bred animals that probably, if I did not get lucky enough, I was looking online, there was one generator. One generator. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was your first breeding season too. Yeah, this so was my first freaking breeding already, season. Right? Yeah. All it was time. it was it was miserable. And and dude, thank goodness my brother was in town in San Antonio visiting. Cause if he wasn't and it was only me doing all of this, would have been ten times harder. But I found the only generator within 10 miles of me keep in mind snow in texas like like you guys that live in utah and up north like you guys are salting your roads well before your first snowstorm in texas we're like oh shit a snowstorm let us take care of this after it snows a shit ton so the roads were frozen i literally drove three miles to a lowe's to get the single generator available and it was still there, was able to get it, but it, it that whole process sucked. And if I would have just had a generator beforehand, that would have been a breeze. But now that I have one, I never have to worry again. On that generator, I can run the ambient in my garage. I can run my refrigerator in my house. I can run the AC and heat in my house. Like a generator might seem like a luxury for most people, but if you have a collection of more than five snakes or if you are breeding, get a generator. Trust me. Yeah. it's It sounds like a luxury just because of the price tag. I mean, you're going to be spending, you know, easily $500 plus on, right. a, on a decent generator. But that extra little peace of mind in case of emergency... <laughs> is just it it goes a long way even if you only use it once or twice it pays itself off right how about this don't get the next snake you want to buy don't get the next ball python don't get the next retake buy a generator first make sure that you're backed up a lot of you guys that are into the superdorf and door stuff you guys have a collection of twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars of animals and you guys don't have a generator explain that to me you, you have a $30,000 collection, but you don't have a $600 piece of equipment to save your animals' lives. Help, help, me, help me help you make that make sense. That statement didn't make sense, but like that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like yeah. if you're going to invest that much on your animals, like 600 bucks for a generator, do it. Don't even think twice. Absolutely. Anything um, else that you think we're missing in there? Uh, 
Um, Any little you, dividends you want to throw in there and just like round off what you have in your snake room. Um, if you guys don't want to spend the money on locks, use coat hangers. Um, yeah. Let me see. Um, any other random tidbits if you guys are... Oh, real quick. Since we're talking about generators, is if you don't have a generator, do you have a way of like being able to heat your snake room without power or keep humidity up or. Oh, do you want me to talk about what I've done in the past? Like yeah. with the water? Yeah. So, um, That's huge. Yeah. I, during the earthquake, what I did since I didn't have a generator and you know, I, our temperatures, I want to say we're in the low 50s, so it was still chilly outside, but nothing concerning. Uh, I I just cycled water. So I have these big three-gallon pig troughs that I use for water in the big enclosures, and then I have a smaller version of that for the smaller snakes. Um, all aluminum, so it really, you know, projects that heat well. Uh, but my gas was still on, so I used I used hot water, and I just made sure that I was cycling hot water every hour or so. I just kind of kept an eye on it with again my t- my temp gun. In that state of emergency, my temp gun was my best friend. That and just filling up hot water, and on a timer. Didn't matter if it was middle of the night. I was waking up every two hours or whatever it was to go cycle out some fresh water, then I can go sleep again. But I would have slept a little bit better knowing I had, you know, 18 hours of gas in my generator running outside. (laughs) Dude, I I will say this. You telling me what you did for that. That's, I mean, again, those are different ways that you can combat any issues. And, and I mean, the, you you, you don't want to have to resort to that. For sure. It, yeah. it was creative. So I will I will say this, though. Just to be able to do that and find a way to make it work j- just shows that you are willing to do anything and everything to make sure that your snakes are okay. Yeah, I would expect the same of anyone investing the level of time, money, you know, everything that goes into keeping uh, dwarf, super dwarf, reticulated pythons, just because that's what I keep, not because this is the retic lounge. We obviously focus on all of it. But I mean, if you're keeping a mainline, you're you're investing a whole hell of a lot more than I am over time. So oh, if you're investing. Yeah. yeah, if you're investing that much and you're not putting that much passion behind it when worse comes to worse, then yeah, you should probably think about different hobbies. Yeah. For you mainland people, we're going to be doing some upcoming, um, we're going to be starting a new segment within the Retake Lounge of doing some um, episodes highlighting different morphs. So we're going to be covering morphs of like, for example, ghost and different mainland morphs that are not very popularized in the Superdorf world. So if you guys are mainland fanatics and you feel like uh, these guys talk too much about superdors we have some exciting interviews and different things coming up for the mainland community um if you guys have hung out so far 
in this episode. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Don't forget um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Don't forget to drop those comments down below um, and let us know what you think of these episodes. Um, We love communicating with you guys on the comments. And of course, that link right there down below is access to the best retic Patreon Discord community that I'm aware of. I'm trying to be biased or or unbiased, um, but we're active. We're, We're chilling. Um, there are threads with other animals on there. It's a great time. We have merchandise that's about to get ready to ship out to people. If you guys want TL, TRL, the Retake Lounge merch, only going to get it if you join Patreon. So go ahead and join for as low as $5 a month. Nathan, what else you got? Uh, all I got is I should be receiving the order of our first round of merch this weekend. So I'm excited to get it shipped out to all of you that are already in the retic lounge. Um, and I'm excited stickers? to just see. I I think I have a handful left. Okay. Shit. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited to get that all shipped out. I'm excited to see pictures of people rocking it. Excited to run into people at shows wearing it. I just think it's it's fun to see how how much this has grown. We're almost what oh, we've already passed the half year mark. I mean, I mean, we're 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 at the what do you mean half year mark of the retake lounge? Yeah, yeah, we're way over. I that. mean, we're we're on episode thirty one, and you know, there's fifty two weeks in a year so we're a little over that but i mean we have we finally hit over 50 members of patreon and the discord yeah, is crazy how much it's grown so yeah. it, it just thank you for everyone that's rocked with us this far uh we'll continue to put out information like this and just fun retick stuff throughout the years and we'll see you next time sure <laughs>